Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. WKTY Outdoors is brought to you by Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. It's 825. Joining me on the phone right now is Tackle Terry Tuma. Good morning, Terry. How are uh, how are you this morning? Well, good morning, Kevin, and good morning to all of our listeners. I'm doing just great. Hey, we got a nice day coming up here. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, inland fishing for walleyes. Yes, yes. And there's you know so many different ways of catching mm-hmm. these fish. There are some locational factors also, which is going to be very dependent upon water temperatures. What? Uh, and I guess maybe just to, to, to clarify here, because we are kind of river-oriented here in the La Crosse area with, of course, the Mississippi here, um, how much of a difference is there between, you know, inland lake walleyes and river walleyes? I, I, I that's probably that. a broad yes. question, but... No, it isn't, Kevin. I hear that a ton. In fact, what I hear and have heard in the past is where anglers will go out to the river system and fish it. They don't uh, do very, very poorly with results or don't catch any fish. And they'll state to me, I'm never going back to a river again. And I hear that fairly often. And the real difference is that the fish are, you know, we're talking about currents here under most conditions, except Mm -hmm. some of the backwaters. But what we have to understand here is that fish are going to adjust in locations according to water levels. And, and of course, there's the structure factor and the current factor. But there is really no different, uh, there's different techniques of catching these fish, sure. But so many times, you know, these techniques work on, on in antibodies of water, like trolling crankbaits with mm-hmm. lead core, bottom bouncers, uh, three-way swivel rigs. They all catch walleyes, not just on the river system, but throughout uh, the upper Midwest. Okay. All right. So, yeah, there, you know, there are a few differences, but uh, a lot of similarities as well. So let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, inland waters then. So what I, I guess, what is the, the first thing that maybe you think about when it comes to uh, inland fishing for walleyes? It really depends on, again, uh, water temperatures and looking for these walleyes and then how to catch them. What we have to understand here, too, is using baits and lures that are going to uh, be of interest to that walleye. And we have to get it into that strike zone, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You know, If we're up too high, too low, we're not going to catch those fish. And the other two is whenever we go walleye fishing, don't just take fatheads with you. Mix up those baits somewhat. Uh, many, many times you can have some great results with shiners on specific lakes, also red-tailed chubs on specific lakes, and we should never, ever forget about leeches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that at, uh, uh, while we're conversing here this morning as well. But, yeah, it's it just... it. I mean, it's it's like anything, you know. You you need to have uh, a diverse sort of uh, bunch of lures in your tackle box. Maybe you know a jig and a minnow isn't working that day, and a crankbait is. You know, you've got to have some different crankbaits and uh, you know, like different baits as well. You know, shiners one day maybe will work, fatheads the next, leeches the next, and you just you just never know what uh, what it's going to be like from day to day. Well, you're exactly right, and we've been in those situations, Kevin, where we've been on specific lakes, especially with the governor's openers and so forth, mm-hmm. and where, uh, you know, you hear so much about the fatheads and so forth. You go out on a lake and you catch one or two walleyes, but then you switch over to shiners and you have all kinds of action. There's so much to be said, and you really uh, set a good uh, uh, 
made a good comment when you're talking about, you know, take a multiple base, but you never, ever know. Uh, we so often get, uh, shall we say, caught up in this, well, this is going to work uh, for this time of the year, this is going to work for the next, uh, next time of the year, and so forth and so on. That is definitely not the case. Yeah, and, and I would think, too, that, you know, when you go to, to, to pick up, you know, whether you're getting shiners or fatheads, whatever, wherever, whatever the, you know, tackle store that you're, you're headed to, bait shop, um, they should be able to give you pretty much the the rundown on what is working right now and what isn't. Whether it's you know like you said you know fathead shiners leeches what have you, they should be able to point you in the right direction. Yeah, they really yes, you're very very much so. But the only issue there is I really uh, in fact in the seminars I you know check with your bait shops, but don't say it's a concrete statement so to speak sure. because it varies so much, Kevin. Uh, it's just amazing how one will catch fish, even from hour to hour, it can change drastically. Mm-hmm. And that's where we really need to hone in and keep a, a, an open mind. You know, Like you said, if if it, this is not working, we have to switch. We have to switch with baits or lures, the way we're catching these fish, or locational factors. Mm-hmm. And what sort of, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, like, backwater areas when we've talked about river fishing for walleyes and, you know, Places like wing dams, and, and you you touched on it just briefly there about about structure, uh, and, and let's uh, let's touch base on uh, talk about that for just a moment. What sort of structure are are inland walleyes going to be keying in on? Uh, a lot of this, a lot of similar structure. I mean, they're not looking for current breaks, obviously, on a, a lake, mind you. But um, uh, what sort of structure are they going to be focused on? Well, generally speaking, what they're going to really focus on is more of a firm bottom. But that's not always case, uh, the case, depending on the time of the season, open water season. But you can have some unbelievable uh, walleye fishing in the weeds, depending, again, how what kind of weed growth we're going to have, which is going to be only how Mother Nature warms up this water quickly or not quickly. And so weed walleyes very, can be very productive at the edge of the weeds, right in the weeds itself. And then, two, uh, your points, uh, your inside turns of these points, uh, rocks can be also extremely productive. Anything that's going to warm up, and however, again, they do want a firmer bottom, especially at this time of the year. And a good real way to adjust these locations is that they're not going to be that far away from where they spawn, Kevin. And so that's one maybe key ingredient. But here again, too, we have a tendency, I think, just to go out and use maybe a live bait rig or troll crank crank baits or toss jigs. And we sort of die with that, even though we're not being very successful. And that's a big factor for us to catch or not to catch fish. Okay. And, and, you know, so yeah, you should be able to to relate to. You're looking for those those points and places like that where the the fish are just going to be congregating. They're not going to move around, say maybe as much as uh, as river walleyes uh, will. That's exactly right. And you know, the other thing we have to really look at if you want to catch quality and quantity fish, look for edges. Mm-hmm. And in edges, it can be uh, faster water meeting slower water. It can be a uh, coloration, a uh, differentiation between the water itself, where you're going to see a little darker water and a little bit of lighter water. Uh, it can be a hard bottom, of course, meaning the soft. We all hear about, of course, we hear about weed edges all the time. Mm-hmm. It can be a mud line uh, and a temperature change, algae blooms. These are all creating edges, and that's where these fish are going to relate to. Okay. And and as far as, you know, we're, I'm looking at the, the water temperatures now in the mid-40s here, so we're not, I guess, 
that far away maybe for for the walleye spawn anyway what sort of you know when do those fish really start to think about doing getting into that spawning mode and spawning pattern it generally takes place right around 46 48 degrees 50 degrees maybe mm-hmm. a little bit higher but we so often get you know relating to just to water temperature Kevin. Sure. and you know with water temperature water temperature water temperature well we've been on the river one day fishing and had some good results. We went the next day and really struggled catching fish. We talked to a conservation officer, and he, uh, which they were monitoring the spawn, and they spawned all overnight. One night hmm. they got done spawning. But here again, too, you know, that, that wasn't only water temperature. I really believe that there's an internal clock with all species of fish in regard to spawning, and that internal clock is based on the sunlight and so forth, where we're going to see fish maybe spawn a little bit earlier, a little bit later, and also like, for instance, crappies and sunfish, they may not even spawn at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just depends on on a lot of other factors. But yes, t- temperature is just one little part of the equation. It's not the not sort of the main factor on and determining what, you know, how these fish are going to respond. Exactly right. You know, water temperature, the weather condition, you know, a lot of cold fronts coming through will really affect that spawn, affect the hatch also. There's an awful lot of ingredients, as you mentioned, that will produce a very good spawn. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, let's talk a little bit about, uh, and, and we touched on it a, a little bit earlier here, about just different uh, different setups that uh, that you can use to uh, to target these walleyes. You know, bottom bouncers, uh, obviously jigging a minnow. Uh, crankbaits, what have you. What, I guess, is there a rule of thumb for using any of those particular, you know, it's like, okay, I've got this particular, you know, part of the equation, I've got A, B, and C, so I'm going to go with a crankbait. I've got, you know, this, this, and this, and I'm going to go with uh, a jig and a minnow combination. Does it, how, how does, how do you determine, or do you just simply, you know, just, like, okay, I'm just going to try this today and see how it works, or start with this and go from there. It really, depending on, um, you know, if we had a front coming through, what kind of fishing pressure, what is the water clarity, these are some of the factors uh, that are going to really uh, fall into that equation. A good way to maybe explain this is, and I call it, especially at the summit, I call it climbing the ladder. We always have this tendency to start out with something slow and so For instance, live bait rig. And live mm-hmm. bait rig is extremely productive at this time of the year. But we start with a live bait rig. Maybe we catch a couple of fish by 9 o'clock in the morning. We become sort of complacent. We're pretty happy with the results. But maybe what we should have tried was using a crankbait to see if we catch any fish, cast or troll. And if we don't, then we can go to the next level, the next level, or the next rung, the next rung, till we finally end up with maybe a live bait rig. So there's a lot of fat actors here, but live bait rig, three-way swivel rigs, uh, trolling crankbaits are all in the equation. And I again, it's going to be so dependent on uh, water temperatures and fishing pressure are some of the main ingredients along with that, too. How dark is the water? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to cast or troll crankbait, do I need to use rattles? Do I need to use a larger profile? These are all some ingredients in having a successful day. That was what I was I was going to follow up with that too about in in terms of of obviously with with rivers you've got you know just all this flowing water and certainly now with the the higher water it's certainly a lot darker than uh than what I think a lot of folks would like but it, you know lakes are a little bit different there isn't you know that that 
that dark water, I guess, maybe on, on a lot of those lakes, the, the clarity maybe is, is a factor to, as well. Yes, it is. You know, it, it becomes a big factor. That's where, you know, for instance, like your live bait rigs can be extremely productive. Uh, three-way silver rigs can be extremely productive, and even casting or trolling crankbaits. But generally speaking, a jig and a minnow, if you can find the right areas, vertical jig or uh, casting jigs uh, with minnows or, or leeches, uh, too often we get just hung up on minnows and a jig. A leech and a jig can be extremely productive. Uh, a a jig and plastic also very good, and but but we really have to understand too when you're going out with a live bait rig and so forth, uh, with leeches work extremely well opening weekend or in May. Too often we think leeches are only a summer bait, not true. Crawlers, you want to wait till water temperatures warms up somewhat, but leeches and any type of a minnow species is going to uh, catch these fish. And it's going to be very dependent, Kevin, too, on how long we tie the snell. Mm-hmm. True, and, and and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I do kind of want to touch on on leeches because it's not something that I'm I've ever really used uh, as far as uh, in my fishing experience. Um, mostly, it's it's minnows and and plastics and things like that. What I guess, and obviously I know the difference, but what is the difference here in terms of of attracting fish with a leech as opposed to a, a minnow this time of year? Partially, it's the uh, profile of the leech itself, and also the scent factor. Those are two big, big ingredients in catching these fish and the size. You know, so often we have to go, and again, we've been sort of brainwashed, jumbo leeches, jumbo leeches. You know, when you got a colder water temperature, you don't need a jumbo leech. Go to a, a large leech, or sometimes we've had some great success in real cold water with medium leeches. So here again, too, various sizes of your leeches. Also, too, Kevin, I should mention that there have been some studies done where the black or the brown leeches, which is more productive. Generally speaking, your black leeches are going to be a little bit more productive, but they have a little bit more uh, action to them when they're hooked and swimming in the water column uh, versus a brown leech. But does that mean you should not use brown leeches? No. But if you do have that opportunity where you can sort them out a little bit in your uh, container, start with the black leeches first and then go to the brown. We all have this tendency to go with the brown leeches. Generally speaking, they're a little bit uh, more, uh, should I say, larger, a little bit thicker, if you will, and we get hung up with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think, too, that, that just with with the black, that, um, you know, that, that profile or just that, that contrast probably, that darker contrast might stand out just a little bit more compared to uh, a, a brown leech as well. Yes, you're exactly right. And what we have to understand here, though, too, is, you know, how we hook those leeches. Uh, these are all ingredients, you know, and here, too, you know, if, and I failed to mention this uh, in the past, but, you know, if you just missed a fish on a leech or just missed a fish on a jig and a minnow, don't be in such a hurry to bring it back up and see, well, what kind of teeth marks on it? Was it a walleye? Is the bait all chewed up? Is it still there? Leave it in that water column for just a, a couple more seconds, maybe a few more seconds, and then many times that fish is going to come back and hit again. Yeah, and 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 I've 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 seen that ha- I've had that happen as well, and and I've 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 read about that as well too. Just have just you know just keep it there. Just yeah, you're right. People get kind of it's like oh I just missed. I better check and and you know people get kind of nervous or anxious or whatever that that they're going to you know not going to catch anything just just leave it there for a, like you said a few more moments to uh to see cuz so many times 
you know, that fish is still there. It's still, you know, just because it missed it the first time doesn't mean it's going to do it the second time. So, well, that's exactly that. Really, uh, is for all the species, wintertime and summertime. And what we also too have to understand too is, you know, the way we hook our baits. Uh, that's another factor. There's so many ingredients in you know catching walleyes, not only at in May, but throughout the open water season. That's where we have to really practice versatility. Be patient with what we're doing. And and I guess uh, you know when we'll just kind of touch base again on, on the leeches there. How do you, uh, what is the best way, I guess, maybe to, to, to hook a leech? Well, generally speaking, uh, through the sucker end, which I think most people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't hook them real far back, just uh, where that sucker is, just in the back of that sucker. And, but if you got, say, perch or uh, sunfish picking at your leech and keep pulling it off and so forth, take and place that hook in the tail end or what's called the neck end, and that end is much tougher, if you will, and but the only issue with that is you're you know changing the swimming action. But uh, most importantly, is that it'll curl up around your uh, hook, and that but that is something we have to sort of accept under those kind of conditions. But it will definitely uh, prevent losing some of that bait. And by the way, when you're talking about bait too, I failed to mention is that you know if you're marking fish and say you caught a walleye or two and you got that minnow or that leech down there for ten, fifteen minutes. Get it off and put a new fresh one on because if you keep it down there, some of that scent is dissipating in the water column. It's going to be gone. And also the swimming action, the reason we're using part of it, that becomes a trigger. And that swimming action, once that also uh, becomes less and less, it's going to cost us fish. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's certainly different than, than what we mentioned a moment ago about, you know, a fish hitting short or something like that. That's a little bit different. This is just uh, sort of something to do on a, a a regular basis, so to speak. It really is. It's so much of a factor, and you can see it if you do some experimenting with it. It's just amazing how much of a difference it makes. And again, you know, reason we use these uh, the slide is, is scent and the action of that and the profile. So those are mm-hmm. some of the ingredients that we really need to take a look at, and we want to uh, maintain that action and that scent in that water column. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now let's let's shift gears uh, a little bit away from uh, from live bait as well. Talk about uh, crankbaits as well, and and uh, what uh, I, I guess what sort of situations would you uh, would you want to think about using maybe crankbaits? Generally speaking, uh, crankbaits work in all water temperatures. We have you know had some success even in forty five degree water temperatures with crankbaits. The biggest factor with crankbaits is you know making sure you know especially at this time of the year that you're in the zone where these fish are at. You know, just to go troll any spot in a body of water anticipating catching fish is probably not going to happen. But what we have to really concentrate on is, you know, structural locations. If you're working in weed edges, that's another factor. If you're casting into the weeds, which most people do not want to do uh, uh, because of getting hung up all the time, you can have some unbelievable fishing. You have to use certain type of crankbaits for that. But also, too, is that with a crankbait, uh, the biggest ingredient here, again, is the profile, the color, Trolling, trolling speed and rattles or no rattles, but here too it it's something we have to really adjust accordingly uh, to identify what color, what depth am I going to run these at, and the speed that we're for instance for trolling if we're casting, don't just cast and retrieve, cast and retrieve. You know, use a stop and go, use a rip. Uh, 
paws type, or if you can bounce it off some rocks or a piece of a weed or some wood, that's going to really uh, tell that walleye that there's something here. I better eat it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Well, Jerry, here I, we've been chatting for almost 20 minutes already, and I got to take a, a quick break, and uh, then we'll uh, uh, we'll be back to continue our conversation here about inland walleye fishing uh, in just a few moments. Uh, talking with Tackle Terry Tuma this morning on WKTY Outdoors. Back in just a moment on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. WKTY Outdoors brought to you by Roscoe's Live Bait, your hometown bait shop on Arthur Street in Toma. During this crisis, our clinics and hospitals are filled with health care heroes putting their health on the line to care for us. Share your gratitude by going to AroundRiverCity.com. Make a donation and we'll arrange for meal deliveries from locally owned restaurants to those life-saving crews. Make your donation today at AroundRiverCity.com. Thanks from everyone at TrustPoint Investment Experts and all of us at Midwest Family of La Crosse. And especially thank you to our health care heroes. Green grass, fresh veggies. It's time to start thinking about your lawn and garden. Ace of Lacrosse has everything you'll need. Fertilizer, turf builder, seeds, and the staff at Ace can help you navigate exactly what you need to get the job done. They'll ask you questions and make recommendations. Don't want to spend a beautiful sunny day shopping? Order online and pick up in the store. For tips on getting spring ready, go to Ace of Lacrosse on Facebook. Ace of Lacrosse on Mormon Cooley Road, your place to get ready for spring. WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. Brought to you by Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. And joining me again here on the phone is Tackle Terry Tuma, and we're talking about inland walleye fishing here this morning on the program. And, and Terry, we're, you know, we, we touched on it before the break here, talking about uh, crankbaits and, and uh, jigs and minnows, things along those lines as well. Let's, uh, and you've got to use something to uh, to get those baits down there. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the different lines that uh, that are out there that uh, that you recommend as far as uh, different types of walleye fishing. Well, uh, yes, and that does make a difference. What we have to understand here is that there's pluses and minuses for a braid, a mono, or for a carbon. And I've done so many years of testing uh, different lines. And in fact, I'm still doing some testing, trying something unique and different. But really what we have to understand here is, you know, the, uh, the diameter of that line and so forth. And what maybe first of all, the guideline is to take a look at your rod and reel uh, manufacturer's ratings and use accordingly. But generally speaking, I use a lot of 8-pound test fireline, the Ultra 8, uh, and also a mono, one or the other, tied on jigs, on spinning reels. And this really is so dependent. We have seen this for so many years up in Canada, on the river system, on inland bodies of water, where there's going to be time frames where you need to use a braid, and there's going to be time frames that you're going to want that stretch factor of switching over to mono. Uh, Because the reason being is that it depends on how these fish are mouthing. If they're hitting it hard and so forth, and you're not missing any fish, then you can use a braid. If you're starting to lose walleyes with the braid coming up into that water column, then you need that stretch factor. So now it's time to switch over to mono. Okay. 
Uh, and do you uh, maybe recommend maybe just using braid as sort of the, the main line and then maybe tying on just a, a liter of mono? Is that how you would yeah. set it up? Exactly right, yes. Uh, and generally speaking, I'll use mono under those kind of conditions uh, for that stretch factor. But also, too, we've had some great success avoiding the mono leader. Uh, there's so many comments about, you know, the uh, visibility factor. Of course, we want that stretch factor. But also, too, if you're using a longer rod with a real light tip, we have a lot of that action in that tip, uh, you're going to really start to eliminate some of that fish loss. But also, too, then, I use a fire line or nanofill uh, or fluorocarbon for crankbait casting. And nanofill on, or a, it's a braid, if you will, that you can cast long distance so smooth only on spinning reels and then you can cast you know small jigs you can cast small crankbaits and what really uh, is so dependent on being successful for instance eight pound test is only zero zero six in diameter mm-hmm. so there's so many things we can really do what well, we have to understand i hear the comment all the time well i use a braid but i don't have to change that line every year you know, that is not the reason we should be using braid. Braid is not a fish line answer-all question. Mm-hmm. And here we have to adjust. And that's the reason manufacturers are offering anglers all different stuff types of line for all species of fish yeah and it, yeah if, if 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 braid was the only thing that worked you know that yeah, that'd be <laughs> that'd be the, that's all we'd see on the store shelves but yeah you, you walk into any uh any tackle shop there's, there's usually a pretty big selection of of different styles of lines colors uh weights what have you it's uh one size doesn't fit all well, exactly. We were up on Lake of the Woods doing a disabled veterans function last fall, Kevin, and uh, I was using um, mono. My wife was using braid, and some of the other were both using mono and braid, and I, bring, I would bring these fish up about eight feet off the bottom, and I'd lose them. So the next day, I switched over to fireline and never lost a fish. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, so here again, it's so, and then, likewise, you know, fishing the river system, for instance, starting out with braid and missing fish or losing fish, and then switch over to mono, having lost a fish. So it varies so much. That's why it's really wise for us, if we possibly can, is have a rod, uh, one with mono, or one with fluorocarbon, and one with a braid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just that yeah, it just makes makes sense because again, like you said, it's just it's going to be dependent on whatever particular day, you know. Like you said, braid might work one day in, in a certain situation. Next day, it might just be mono. You know, you just never know, and you just need to be prepared. Yeah, you're really doing fluorocarbon works also. But the biggest factor with fluorocarbon, it's it's quite invisible. It's not 100% invisible like mm-hmm. we're led to believe, but also, too, uh, you have minimal stretch, but some stretch, but also to extreme sensitivity. Right. Exactly. Now, one thing one thing we didn't uh, touch on were uh, uh, three way rigs, and let's uh, let's uh, shift gears and talk a little bit about that. Why do you like those for in, in some situations? Well, three way swivel rigs are very very productive. I think a lot of anglers are very familiar with, with river fishing, but they work on inland bodies of water. Uh, with a three way swivel rig, what it really does is you can vary your snell length, of course and also the distance of the dropper line. So now what you're doing then is getting that bait right exactly where those fish are at. And you can also, too, uh, using uh, 
a rod that's a little bit longer. I use a bait casting rod on a soft tip, long rod, eight to nine feet in length. And what it does is really offers us, um, should I say, um, not quite so much with feel uh, like a live bait rig, but you'll know exactly when that fish hits. And it's just uh, it's an extremely good way to cover you know a lot of ground, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, faster versus a live bait rig. Of course, you can do it with live bait rig too. But I really feel three wood swivel has a lot of pluses, and so often uh, you know anglers don't use them. They really always refer them to as a river a way of catching fish. It's not just a river way of catching fish. It works on all bodies of water. The biggest factor here is that you are able to get that. Um, exactly in the strike zone of where those walleyes are at. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, too, I'm sure it's very, you know, it's just, it's dependent, of course, on, on what you're reading off your electronics as well, on, on how to how to set that all up. Yeah, it really is. And the other thing with uh, a throughway silvery that many people don't relate to, we always get hung up on long lining cranks or uh, using lead core for cranks. It works very, very well uh, using a throughway swivel wig uh, with uh, Trolling crankbaits, but what it does is, you know, if you're using a, a lot, long lining or using mm-hmm. lead core, your lure is going to swing out of that exactly where those fish are at. With a shorter snell and the correct dropper line, you're able to bring that crankbait right exactly where those walleyes are at. It's almost like hand lining. Mm-hmm. And and does the does it present differently to fish this way as well as opposed to just straight trolling? Uh, well, it really, yes, with, if you're using, like, for instance, with crankbaits, and so, I, the other factor is that you're really able to really hone in on exactly where those fish are via mm-hmm. that dropper line versus a three-way solar, but I should say versus a live bait rate. But if you are trolling quite slow, you can really uh, sort of hone in on exactly where those mm-hmm. fish are. And the other two here is that, you know, don't be afraid to use a stop and go with a live bait rate or three-way swivel rate, but that change in speed and change the direction would many times trigger a fish. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And and I've seen that that happen so many times when I've been out that it just you just pause for just a just a, a moment there and get going again, and then that fish just hits it right then. Uh, it's it, oh, go ahead. No, it really does, and you can do that with lead cork long lining too. What I'll do instead of taking a rod, Kevin, and uh, you know pulling it for. Uh, forward, if you will, I'll just grab the line, especially if it's in a rod holder, I'll just grab the line itself and pull maybe two, three feet uh, of it without taking it out of the rod holder and then just let it snap back. And it's amazing that change in speed, change in direction, how it will uh, relate to a strike. Exactly, exactly. Well, Terry, I've got to wrap things up uh, for today here. As always, I I appreciate you uh, spending some time with me this morning here and and talking about about fishing. Uh, We will... uh, uh, do it again very very soon and and again thank you so much for uh, for sharing your knowledge with the uh, with us with the listeners here this morning i hope they uh, uh i hope they enjoyed it i'm sure they did and uh, uh i know i always uh, always come away with with uh, uh, a lot more fishing knowledge after having a conversation with you well thank you so much for that comment kevin and you have a wonderful weekend all right, we'll talk to you again soon. And uh, that is Tackle Terry Tuma on WKTY Outdoors. It is uh, 8.56, going to take a break, and then uh, back to wrap up the show for this Saturday in just a few moments on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM.